God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We are also good. Good morning. My name is Chan Choi. My parents are he, him, his, serving Urban Village Atchwater and South Loop as a side pastor. It's been two weeks since I started leading the Book of Jonah small group. Of course, it is a sort of Bible study learning about the Book of Jonah, but we have read through this book differently with bibliodrama. And here is the definition of bibliodrama. It is a form of role-playing in which the roles played are taken from biblical text. And you may have a similar experience if you have an experience of playing the Christmas play or read the children's book to kids. For me, when I served as a children's pastor in Korean church, my message was always like a storytelling and role-playing because it was the best way to invite those children to the Bible story. And there were so many occasions that I was amazed by children's imagination and question from the Bible story that I've never ever thought about before. And it always gave me an opportunity to expand my view of reading the white space between the black letters. And that's a key of bibliodrama that allows us to find things are not sad and deepen our understanding and meaning through our imagination. For example, we imagine ourselves to become the Noah's Ark during our warm-up session last week. Not Noah, but Noah's Ark. Have you ever thought about becoming the Noah's Ark? So I threw some questions to our Noah's Arks. There were three Noah's Arks there. How did you feel when Noah started building you by following God's word in the dry land? Was there any trouble between the animals while they were staying in you? How did you feel when the earth was covered with water? And how did you feel when you had to wait without knowing when the end of this kind of life will be? Each Noah's Ark had different ideas and responded differently, but it allowed us to make a room to think about our daily life based on Noah's story through different perspectives. I hope you try this new way of reading the Bible story. Then I started reading today's passage by putting myself in the woman's shoes who is only described as a poor and a widow. But I couldn't move beyond verse 42 because many questions were popped up in my mind. So I couldn't fully become this poor widow. Why would she offer her full possession? And what's her plan for the next day? What would her life look like after this offering? And why didn't Jesus do anything for her? I couldn't move forward onto finding answers to those questions. So I returned to the very basic question, how to read this passage. And you know what? In early years, the books of Bible had a form of individual scrolls without any chapter or verse because it had been written down from the oral tradition. So it helps us clarifying and discovering the meaning or intention of the passage when we read the front and back passages. And interestingly enough, the front passage has a subtitle of Jesus denounces the scribes, who were the group of Jewish leaders 
with the knowledge of the law and the authority of drafting a legal document and preserving the sacred manuscripts. Then Jesus warned about their behaviors of seeking public recognition and exploiting widows. Now, we can read today's passage through this frame that Jesus condemns the corrupted scribes who exploit the widow by false teaching that weights the religious commitments and the system that doesn't protect and take care for the vulnerable. This poor widow who was supposed to be supported and protected by the society was taught and encouraged to make this offering to the temple. And at the time, the temple was full of treasures and resources. And it could be a symbol of this corrupted system. And that's the reason why Jesus foretold the destruction of the temple in the following passage. Now, we may answer one of the questions that I raised in the beginning. Why did she offer her whole possession? This poor widow would be pushed by the system to make these commitments out of her poverty and accommodate herself to be ruled to the to to the rule that is built and kept by the powerful like the scribes. Through this lens, we have a better idea of her act of giving itself. But it is still not enough since we have another question from her act of giving. Isn't one small corporate coin enough to fulfill her religious obligation? And then why did she offer literally her whole possession of two coins, not one? And I found a clue to this question from verse 44. Jesus said, all of them are giving out of their spare change, but she from her hopeless poverty has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. There is one more description to her offering, what she needed to live on. The word translated to live on, bios in Greek, also has a meaning of life, mode of life, and existence. So we can paraphrase her act of giving as she gives everything with her whole being and existence. Aren't you familiar with another passage in chapter 12? We can find a similar passage from verses 29 through 31, where Jesus answered to one of the scribes' question, which commandment is the first of all? And here is an answer from Jesus. Our God is the, the one Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than this. Now, her act of giving has a new meaning. Rather, its hidden intention is revealed. It's not merely an act of giving to fulfill her religious obligation that is forced by the system, but it is an intentional act of giving her who being to love God fully and wholly. There is no more of 
a passive woman who doesn't have any voice or opinion under the unjust system that forced her to follow. There is only I who make a bold decision to give oneself beyond system's expectation and teaching. We are not sure whether she was heard Jesus teaching about these great commandments or not, but, but this act of giving her two small coins would be the most radical way to follow Jesus' teaching of loving God with one's whole heart and being, and to resist the unjust system by unimaginable way to give everything. Is there anything bigger than the fulfillment of this great commandment? And that's which why Jesus said that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money in the treasury. It is not about the size of giving, but it is about a center of heart. Watch in your heart. It is the word of lament from Jesus about the corrupted system and its victim. At the same time, it is a teaching of Jesus what the life of disciple looks like. Love God with one's whole heart and being and love your neighbor. It is also a life that Jesus showed us as an example by making a decision to give himself for us. Now, we can answer to the questions of why didn't Jesus do anything for this poor widow? Jesus did. Jesus did recognize her act of giving and saw her center of heart, which was full of love toward God with her whole heart and being. So this marginalized and powerless and unseen widow is now being honored among the rich and powerful and seen as a model of disciple. It was only possible by her bold decision to give herself and follow Jesus' teaching. Do you remember the rich man who was looking for an eternal life? This rich man kept all the commandments, he was sincere and faithful as Jesus looked at him and loved him. However, he couldn't make a final decision to give himself. When Jesus commanded him to sell what he owns and gives the money to the poor and follow him, he made a decision to walk off because he had many possessions. He wasn't ready to leave the life as Jesus' follower, he wasn't ready to leave on the coming kingdom of God rather than the system of the world. Unlike his decision, this poor widow made a decision to give all her possession and follow Jesus. Because she had been waiting for the coming God's kingdom and already experiencing it through Jesus' teaching and ministry. She would be one of the crowd who listened to Jesus' teaching on the mountain. Blessed are those the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When every single word were proclaimed, she would be comforted, and encouraged to keep the hope in the midst of hardship and experienced the 
kingdom of God through Jesus' ministry. So it wouldn't be hard to make a decision to give herself because she already lives on the coming kingdom of God, not on the earthly rule and system. Wow, it's a quite long process to be ready for becoming the widow, right? And now I'm able now, now I'm able to put myself to this poor widow's shoes again. As soon as I entered the temple, I could see the large stones and large buildings. The court was filled with people who are wearing long robes. They are smiling, but I seem to be invisible to them. There is a long line in front of the collection box. There are people who pour their coins out from the money sack as like they try to show their richness. But there are also people who just put one coin out of their possessions. In my turn, I offer my two last couple coins with a prayer. Prayer for my neighbor who worries about their meal and prayer for my friends who needs God's healing presence and a prayer that my two copper coins will be used for the people in need. On the way back, I see Jesus who proclaimed about the kingdom of God at the mountain that encouraged me to live with hope and make a decision to give myself to live as his follower. For us, it isn't easy to make such decision like the widow because the word tells us to hold and keep more things for yourself and to prepare our future by raising our level of anxiety and to focus on the scarcity rather than gifts that we have abundantly. And the key is where we want to live on. Whether we live on this earthly system that forces us to see what we don't have, or we live on the coming of the kingdom of God, where we see the abundant gifts of healing and restoration. Now you have two copper coins in your hands. What is your decision? This morning, I'd like to invite you to make a decision, a decision to give yourself, a decision to follow Jesus' teaching, a decision to love God and love your neighbor because it is a way to live the life as Jesus taught us. Amen. Now we will be heading into our June set gathering where we will reflect on today's message with each site members. And you can find the link from here in our comment section. And here are some guide questions that we can think about. First, during this pandemic, we may be forced and pressured to focus on our scarcity in our economic system. Nevertheless, we still have the gifts that keep on giving. So what is the gift that you discover from yourself during this pandemic? And here's the second question. From today's passage, the decision of giving herself was a 
decision of living as a disciple of Jesus Christ by loving God and loving her neighbors. So do you have any similar experience of making a decision that brought a huge impact on your life or your faith journey?